Welcome to Community Christian and the first week of the series we're doing called The New Normal. My name is Ed Martin and we're glad you're here. If you're new around Community Christian, let me tell you what we mean when we say we're doing a series. We mean we're taking one big idea and we're going to talk about that idea for a few weeks. And generally, we have just one point we want to make out of the whole thing. Every week's like a step and a journey that we're going on together. And our whole big goal is to introduce you to Jesus, who is our leader. His death and resurrection are the foundational storyline of our lives as his followers. And so every series has this idea of taking you toward the God that Jesus revealed. That's our normal. And I've been doing that here in Coweta County at this church for 29 years, and that really hadn't changed. Now, we've always had to adapt to whatever the culture is doing and how we go about doing that, but we really have just been doing that one thing. But we never have done that one thing in a culture that's changed as much as quickly as our culture has changed in the last few weeks. And it's only been a few weeks, but doesn't it seem longer than that? I mean, remember, it's less than 40 days since schools closed in Coweta County, and back then we thought it would be two weeks. I mean, maybe the most pessimistic people thought it might be until after spring break, and then it was just canceled on us, the whole thing. Same was true for some of you at work. It started slowly. Well, we're going to take a cutback. And then some of you need to take some voluntary time off for a couple of weeks. And then it was shut down in your department. But it won't last. And then it all just closed. I mean, I could go on and on and still not describe everything that's happened in four weeks. And then have you noticed that in recent days, and it's really probably more recent than you realize, People have started telling us that things are never going to go back the way they were before. And then entered this phrase. Here it is. We're going to have a new normal. And as I've talked with people, and people really are willing to talk, and that's a change I like, uh, what I've heard is a mixture of confusion and fear and uh, this chin-up kind of thing, of we can do this kind of stoicism mixed with grief, and then underneath that is, well, some anger. And as much as we can try to put a good face on it and this we can do it and get it done, and I'm that way too, we need to accept the fact that most of us were not looking for a new normal. It got pushed on us. And when our normal takes a detour from what we were expecting, we don't like it very much. I mean, we might not all have the exact same story of our lives, but as a culture, we have sort of a normal story. I'm born, I go to school, I work hard, I get a job that I like, and it earns me enough money to enjoy my life. It's the American dream. Most of us have the idea that we'll find someone to do life with, and we'll get married, we'll have two or three children, we'll get them through school and married, we'll have a dozen grandchildren or so, retire a little early where I can enjoy my travel and friends, and I'll die in my sleep at a ripe old age, surrounded by a loving family who tells me how much I'm going to be missed. That's a normal story. Now, of course, we're the No Perfect People Church, so we all know there isn't quite just that clean, and some of the details do get changed in our story. But in our heads, we have this story of what it looks like and how it ought to go. And in our mind, that's normal. I didn't ask for a new normal. And when he gets shoved on me like it has, I have this feeling that's not the way it's supposed to go. And all of a sudden, it feels like I've lost control of my life. Now, the truth is, we've never been completely in control in the first place. We, we like to think we are, and we spend a lot of time and effort and money to act like we are. And then something happens on an international scale like this, and we're reminded. Financially, I'm not in control. 
And I don't know for sure what my future holds. I mean, something like a virus comes along and it impacts the health of people. And even if I haven't personally been impacted, in our quiet moments, we think of the people we love and that we would want to help, and we think, oh, yeah, I'm not in control of that either. And so we listen to what people who we hope have some control say, and we try to do it, but sometimes, sometimes I realize no matter what I do, the security I felt when I thought there was a story and I knew where it was heading, that's gone, and I don't like the new normal. Now, if you're feeling like, wow, I didn't show up here by accident today, what I want you to know is if you're honest enough to admit that you're feeling any of that, the God that Jesus said we can call Father, he has something to say to people who find themselves in places like that. In fact, the writings about Jesus that we find in the Bible, those written by the first followers of Jesus, they're all written in times of uncertainty. The men and the women who fill the pages of this book, they're not unfamiliar with the kind of uncertainty that comes to a life when we think, well, we got it all figured out, and then life takes an unexpected turn. I mean, almost all of this book is written by people who've experienced personal or national or spiritual uncertainty. I can't think of one story in this book that has the perfect kind of feel for us. You know, Peter was called by Jesus, come follow me. And he went to his wife and he said, I just got the chance of a lifetime. I'm going to follow Jesus. And his wife said, oh, baby, that's great. I've been hoping something like that would come into our life. So... Peter and his wife had a nice lunch, and they hung out together that afternoon. In the evening, they prayed with their kids, and they tucked them into bed, and they went to sleep, and it was a great day. Or James got his sons together, and they went out hunting, and before the evening had come, they had shot their limit. They went back to camp. They had a big bonfire. They hugged each other, and they camped under the stars. Those aren't the stories told of any of the followers of Jesus. The stories they tell us are of faithful people. In the midst of uncertainty and stress and death, and yet, they aren't shaken. All of that to say to you, that as we face the uncertainty of the new normal, we have with us how to follow Jesus in times of uncertainty. But, but the challenge is, what we find when we listen to what they did, it's not what we want to find. Because what we want to find is, how do I get rid of the new normal and make this like the story of the life I got in my head? What do I do to get rid of all the uncertainty? How do I get back to the time before my graduation was canceled and my wedding was put on hold? How do I get to a time when I'm not afraid that somebody I love will get some health problems? That, that's going to kill them. I mean, what I want is I want Jesus to make my life better. I say that. But what I want is I want Jesus to tell me what religious thing I have to do or do I have to tell other people to do. And once I get me or them or all of us to do that, then God will make life go back to the way it's supposed to be. That's what I want to hear from you, preacher. So go. I don't like the new normal. I don't want the new normal. I'm trying to be tough and I'm trying to do what everybody else is doing. But what I want and what I really want is I want it back. I want it back. How do we get God to do that? Now, if you aren't much of a Bible person or you wouldn't say you follow Jesus, then let me tell you what's the most frustrating part of the accounts that we have written by people in the Bible. They, they serve as a constant reminder to us that human beings, no matter how strong-willed we are, how religious we are, we aren't in control totally of what happens in our life, in, in our world. I mean, it's hard to read the Bible and not see that. That's the frustrating part. But the good part, if you read it, 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 we get reminded there's a God 
And he can be trusted, even when the story of our life isn't going the way that we thought we would have it in our heads. And as impractical as it might seem to you in the midst of uncertainty in your life, what we have in the Bible is a gold mine. Because what we have are the words of God that tell us how to survive and even thrive in uncertain times. And even if you aren't a Bible person or you have, you're not a Christ follower and the only reason you clicked on this today is to watch because you're in such uncertainty or pain, you'd try anything. And even if you don't believe anything that we say and, and you still got lots of questions, here's what I want to say. There may be no way you can embrace everything I talk about today, but what I'm asking is, even if you aren't ready to embrace all of this yet, would you just listen? Because do you ever come to the place where you'd entertain the thought that maybe there is a God who's at work in this world and maybe Jesus is his son? Then I want you to know that following Jesus, it's not primarily about going to heaven when you die, but that Jesus can become the foundation of your life, every part of your life, even the uncertain parts of your life, and that they can be faced with confidence and trust and peace. And I hope you'll consider joining us in this whole series because we're going to learn how to do that. And what I'm going to talk to you about today is the thing that many of us do immediately when we think about being in uncertainty. I'm going to talk to you about prayer. And as I know, as soon as I say that, some of you are thinking, see, that, that's what I expected. It's same old stuff, and newsflash, it didn't work. Trust me. I'm not even sure I believe any of this, but when I lost my job, I prayed. It ain't working. Okay, <laughs> I get that, but just listen. And I want to try to explain to you something that you might not be doing that really is a treasure in prayer when it comes to uncertainty. And to get there... We're going to have to look at a part of the Bible written by a follower of Jesus named Paul, and we call it the book of Philippians. Now, it's not really a book. It's more of a short letter that he wrote from prison while thinking he's going to be executed, and he writes to a group of his friends in a town called Philippi. And what I want you to know for sure is that Paul's like you. And what I mean by that, his story didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. See, Paul's a Jewish man who, like some of us, came to follow Jesus after Everything we know about Jesus had already happened. So he's not one of the guys who walked with Jesus. He didn't get to hear all the stories or see the miracles. But he had this dramatic change in his life. And he began following Jesus. And he believed that God had called him to go to the whole world to tell people that Jesus was the resurrected son of God and that they should follow him. And so he's in the Roman Empire. And he gets arrested for stirring up trouble. And he gets thrown into prison. And eventually, because he's a Roman citizen, he appeals his case all the way to the highest court. And he, he gets taken to Rome. And the emperor of Rome at the time, while he's in prison, is a guy named Nero. And Nero, he tortures Christians as entertainment. Now, the reason you, it's important for you to know that is because when I read to you in a minute what Paul wrote, your temptation is going to be just to ignore it and say, right, I'm so sure. Hey, Paul, come to my life where I won't have health care in 30 days, and everybody needs health care these days. Come on, tell me why... I'm in a high-risk group, or my daughter's in a high-risk group, and we don't know what to do. We're in danger, Paul. Look at me now and say what you say. That's why I'm saying this up front. Paul is not writing this from the beach at some resort having a great time. You can't hear this and dismiss it because you think the writer doesn't know what it's like to be where you are. He's in it. In some ways, he's worse off than we are. But what I want you to hear and I wanted you to hear it because there's a principle to prayer in this. It takes us a long way down the road to finding peace in the new normal 
whatever it might be. So here it is. Rejoice in the Lord always, to which we say, come on. You got to be kidding me. Paul says, nope, I'll say it again. Rejoice. He goes on. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's saying, I know it's so easy to get bent out of shape because of what ha what's happening in your life. It, but if you're a follower of Jesus, rejoice. And, and we say, how can you find joy when my family and I, I mean, we're together all the time and we love each other, but we're also about to kill each other. And, and maybe our marriage isn't as good as we thought. And I'm concerned about our financial future. How, how am I supposed to rejoice? And Paul, I think, would say, oh, you're thinking like everybody else. You're, you're thinking the whole world's spinning out of control and your circumstances out of control. Have, have you forgotten? The Lord is near. You know who hasn't sheltered in place? God. You know where there hasn't been one meeting about COVID-19? Heaven. Nothing's changed about God. And he, he can be trusted. So we can have joy in the midst of our life whatever it is. So he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And this really is a whole other message that I think personally I'm going to have to keep learning the rest of my life. What he's saying is in the midst of your uncertainty, when the pressure is on, don't sacrifice your character. Be the person who God called you to be. And we read that and think, how can I be the person I ought to be in these circumstances. How, how can I ever find joy? Doesn't everybody lose it under stress and pressure? Paul goes on. Don't be anxious about anything. And again, we just want to stop reading and say, you don't get it, do you? You don't see what's happening in my life. But the word anxious is this word that means getting distracted by fear of the future. And you know, that's really all being anxious is. It's distracted by fear of the future. I have this stuff of what might happen, what could happen, and it could be, and I get distracted by my fear of the future, and it begins to impact my relationships and my thinking about everything that's happening right now, and I just become anxious. And Paul says, I don't want you to be distracted by fear of the future over anything. And we're tempted to go, how can you face this and not be anxious? Is that really possible? And, and Paul, who's chained to a Roman guard, goes, yeah, it's, it's possible. Let me tell you what you have to do. You, you need to pray, to which we're saying, we are praying. It isn't working. What else have you got? Now, this next part is the part I hope I can explain because it's what I've been learning the last few years, but it's really powerful. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, that is in all those things you're tempted to be anxious about, but in everything, by prayer, and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What you'll notice Paul doesn't say is, hey, when you're anxious, make sure you pray. What he doesn't say is, hey, when you're anxious, just tell God what's going on. It'll all be all right. Here's what he's trying to get us to do with his language. He wants you to slow down. So he says, don't be anxious about anything. And let me tell you how to deal with that natural anxiety you feel when circumstances are wrong. Here's what you have to do. In everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. In other words, don't just blow by this and say a prayer. With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, and, and then here it is. Let your request be made known to God. And he uses a really interesting way of saying this in the original language. And 
Here, this last part literally means unveil the mystery of your desire to God. You, you might see it translated, let your request be made known to God. And the, it's the English translation translators have such a difficult time with this. It's almost always diff, difficult, different in every translation because it's just hard to go from that language to our language. He says, first, stop being anxious through a slow prayer process, prayer and petition with thanksgiving. This isn't a 30-second on the way home from the grocery store where it felt like you were in a zombie movie. Lord, you got to do something. I, I can't take this, and I'm scared. What's going to happen? This isn't, God, I need a job. I, I need some money. God, help. Nothing wrong with those prayers, but this isn't that kind of prayer. This is slow down, get alone, and struggle with God in prayer. And then in that moment, you unveil or you unwrap the mystery, what you really long for and what you desire from God. And I know it sounds like I'm saying pray harder, but that's not really what I mean. Let me see if I can try to make this clearer. Any area of your life where there's uncertainty, there's fear. Any area where there's uncertainty, there's fear. And I know if you're a guy, you're like, I'm not afraid. I'm worried. I'm concerned. I mean, come on. Those are just synonyms for scared. It's okay. Wherever there's uncertainty, there's fear. So you say, the reason I don't want this to happen, whatever it is, is I'm afraid, and then fill in the blank. The reason I'm worried about my job is I'm afraid that. The reason I'm anxious about my daughter's health is I'm afraid. You fill in the blank, whatever, whatever there's, wherever there's uncertainty, there's fear. And in that fear, which we hate, and we try everything we can do to get rid of it, in that fear, there's a desire. There's a longing for many of us, probably, that even for most of us, we don't have any idea what it really is. And what I believe Paul is alluding to because of what he says after this is he's saying, in the midst of our uncertainty, you've got to get past saying, God, I pray this doesn't last long. God, I pray my mom and dad don't get the virus. God, I pray that I'll get a job. You have to get beyond these circumstances that you want changed, and you have to get to the desire. You have to get to the longing that you truly want. That's what it means to unreveal unveil the request, and let that be known to God. There's this hidden desire within your fear that's a mystery, maybe even to you, but if you discover that desire, then you hand that to God. And here's what I know from experience. If you can ever get to that, and you give that to your Father in heaven, then you will sense him whisper, okay, I can handle that. I'll take care of that. God says, when you place into my hands that which only my hands are capable of handling, and it's not simply you need a job or your, your spouse or your daughter to remain in health, when there's something else that's driving your anxiety, you unwrap that, you reveal the mystery of it, maybe even to yourself, and then you hand that to God, God says, you'll walk away from that with a quiet sense of confidence that I'm going to be with you and I'm going to take care of you. God can be trusted. So a young mom loses her job, and she prays, Lord, I lost my job. I need a job. God says, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm not afraid, really. I just need a job. What are you worried about? I, I, I'm worried that if I don't have a job, I, I won't be able to support my kids. So what do you want? I want to be able to take care of my family. What, what do you really want? I want to know that my family will be okay. Ah. Uh, I can do that. 
What are you afraid of? What's behind that anxiety? What do you really want? When you get along with God and you unpack what your fear really is and you find out what it really is that you want and you place that in God's hands, you can live in any new normal because here's God's promise to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and here's, here it is. The peace of God. That is, the peace that comes only from God. You know, the kind of peace that comes not when things are peaceful. I mean, it's not a peace because your circumstances got right. But instead, the peace of God which transcends understanding. And you know what that means? It means it doesn't make any sense. Why are you so peaceful? Something happened I don't know about? No. Things are just as screwed up as they always are. Well, you don't seem worried. I'm not. I have peace. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. See, the language literally says it surpasses every thought of man. That means there's not going to be any way to explain it. Because peace that's explainable, it's peace that comes when you get the circumstances the way you want them to be. The peace of God... It's tied to the character and presence of a God who can be trusted. And Paul says, you unpack your fears and you place them in God's hands, what only God can give. And at the end of that is the peace of God which transcends all understanding. And that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. God's promise is that the peace I give, when you unpack your fears and you give to him what only he can handle, that peace will guard over your emotions Guard your thoughts, and no one will understand it. But you'll know it's real. You know why I buy this? And I know you may not, but here's why I'm so confident it's true. Not because the Bible says it, but because I've had a chance to watch it happen again and again and again. I watch friends of mine. I watched a friend of mine go through a horrible accident where he's injured, but his daughter was almost killed, and... They thought she wasn't going to walk again, and I go see him the first time, and I'm, I mean, I walk in, and I'm just like, ugh, I don't know what to say. And I, I watched him right in the middle of the conversation say, hey, let's go pray. And I go, and I hear him pray, not for healing, but God, I need to see this like you see it. I need your peace. And then I watch him walk out of there in a way that's so peaceful that people just didn't get it. People would say, man, you really seem to be handling this so well. It's the peace of God in the midst of unbelievable circumstances and emotions. They just, they just peeled off of him and he regained what God had promised he would get. Peace. Peace of God, not peace from circumstances. And here's my desire for you and for me as we walk forward into whatever is this new normal. My desire is that we get past, oh God, help us and change this and bless us and get us back where we were. And we would take time. And we'd find the courage to get alone. And we'd deal with whatever you're mad about, whatever you're afraid of, whatever you're uncertain of, and you'd stay there long enough to find out what your true desire is. And once you identify it, then you place that in the hands of God, who's more than capable of carrying it. And you walk away with peace, knowing you've left with God what only he is capable of handling anyway. So, Today, what I want to do is I want to try to kick the, start this process for you. This is about giving you the questions to deal with your Heavenly Father and trying to get it 
handling what only he's capable of handling. So here's my first question. What's your greatest concern right now? What is it that when you think about it, you just get anxious about it? Secondly, what are you afraid of will happen if? What if that comes true? What are you afraid of will happen if this continues, if it doesn't change? What are you afraid of? Somewhere in that fear, somewhere in there, that's what you really want. And would you pray this prayer? Lord, if that happens, I'm afraid that. And then would you tell him what you're really afraid of? And there in that fear is the request that you have to make known sometimes to yourself first and then to God. And somewhere in that, when you unpack it and you give it to him, eventually you will sense him say, I'll take care of that. Now, while you think about that, I want to ask John and Joel to sing a song. And if you want, it's a song you can sing with them, but I really want to encourage you just to use these words as a way to remind yourself that God can be trusted. And if you aren't there yet, would you take these few minutes and listen and consider, could this be true? And if it's not, what are you going to do? And when they're done, I'll come back and we'll finish up.